How are y'all today? Good. Okay. We are going to talk about love. I know it's a broad subject. Um, and I noticed that in the the songs we were singing that there was a lot, I mean, a lot of times we talked about and proclaimed our love for him, but what I want to talk about now is our love for each other and our, you know, as well as our love for him, our love for each other and his love for us. So, if you will, Look at, with me, Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. And uh, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And if you back up a verse or two, you'll see that that was kind of a put-up job. They were trying to entrap him, but... Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So, our duty to God is essentially all wrapped up in love. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, it's also our duty to each other. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I don't know why it was, and it's been a while now, but I know that half my life I had heard the first part of this, but I hadn't really heard that part. Um, and I'm not trying to suggest something nefarious among, you know, previous pastors or whatever, because they're good people. They were good. I mean, they were good people. Some of them still are. Um, but what this says is, is that every requirement of God is is fulfilled in love. Now, we can break that to teach a film class. Oh, so, you know, I'm all for movies and books. Uh, but what it leaves us with, what we have in a lot of the movies and books, are unfulfilled expectations. And this mysticism which we surround love with now which you know we mean really we mean romantic love and um, it's not going to fix our life let me also say that I'm a big believer in romantic love and when things are as they should be, or even close, 
then we can, we can enjoy these things. But it's not the main thing. For one thing, I remember, I remember this. I mean, uh, um, we were you know, many times uh, studying the Romantic, I mean, excuse me, the uh, Victorian era, which I taught English literature. So Victorian era was from the 1830s up until the death of Victoria in 1901. And, uh, you know, we've heard of uh, Victorian... Uh, morals, Victorian principles, and so forth. Um, and we also, but we, but we're more enlightened than that now. We believe that you you should marry according to how you feel, and that's kind of putting a, you know, a blunt. But I think pretty accurate description on it. And we have a divorce rate of around 50%. And have had as long as I can remember. Um, it could go up a point or two or down a point or two. But we've had a divorce rate of roughly half. And... Not to say that everybody who doesn't get a divorce is living happily ever after. I don't know if I believe in happily ever after, but there's happier ever after and sadder ever after. Anyway, so what's happened is, is I think we have made a, like a false god. I think that if there is no love in the equation, then there's, it's, it's pretty hard to see how that's going to work out. If there is love in the equation, and if it's lifted up into a preeminent place, then it may well become a false god. So... When we look at what love is, then I'm going to suggest that we go to the Greek, the Greek words. And the main reason for this is I don't know any Hebrew, okay? I know maybe six Hebrew words. You know. The Greek I know I'm a little more familiar with, but you've probably heard this before. Um, and you know, there's eros, storge, uh, philia, and agape. And it is agape and not agape because it's Greek and not Italian. But that's all right. Um, so eros is what we call romantic love. And it is where we get the word erotic. And what? I don't know. There are other, other words we get from that. And that is 
essentially focusing on your counterpart, your preferably of the opposite sex, but. Um, and I don't believe that word is used a single time in the New Testament. I don't think God's got anything against it. I just think he figures, we'll figure it out. But then there is storge, and that's S-T-O-R-G-E in, in, you know, in our alphabet. Um, and that's sort of like family affection. Um, and if you think of like, um, you think of like a mother with a child like that, it's usually not any kind of equal relationship. Um, so, but, and I'm not sure that's represented anywhere in the Old, in the New Testament, but. Uh, the ones that are, are philia, or philos, or, you know, and agape. Um, and philos is like brotherly love. You know, we have Philadelphia, and I don't know what, we have, we have a lot of words with. P-H-I-L-E in it. Um, and then there's um, agape, which is godly love. And this thing was it, was, it was rarely used in classical Greek. But it was pretty, I mean, I think it was used over 100 times in the New Testament. So, the love that God is talking about, and let me just say, I think it was uh, what I have here. I don't know if these are definite, but I've got under philia, there is a 20 or 29 usages in the New Testament, and agape, there's 116. I mean, that's a huge difference. And like I said, it's rarely used in classical Greek. So what is the nature of this love? So if we go and we look at agape and we see what the Bible says about it, then, you know, we can probably, probably get something out of that. So in 1 John... Chapter 4, um, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now that suggests to me, and, and the word used here is agape. So this love comes from God. People who love like this are born of God and they know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
And that, to me, is one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Because that tells us what God is made of. So, in other words, love is the essence and the nature of God. He's almighty. He's holy. But those are adjectives. I mean, love is a noun. Love is a, sometimes it's a verb. Sometimes it's a noun. But it's a noun this time. Um, so when it says God is love, it's really saying that that is what he is, that's what he's made of. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So this is the love of God made manifest. He spared Abraham. This expression of love, but he did not spare himself. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is really, this is really a one direction love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, there's something about that word, you know, his love is complete, and uh, it's, I think it's uh, in, in King James, it's made perfect or whatever it is, but basically um, the idea here is if we, no, okay, here's the deal. We are, we live in a, we live in a post, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, This is embarrassing. Okay. Y'all can help me with this. 
We live in a post. All right, yeah, modern is closer. Well, no, no, I asked for help, and obviously I need it. What? So I'm here. Um, I hate it when this happens, because I really want to use that word. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Um, okay. The people of that time, in fact, up until about the mid-1600s in Western Europe, when science... Enlightenment. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. We live in a post. Well, I, I'm not done yet. That's right. <laughs> um, so the idea of the Enlightenment is that, that there was, uh, with the coming of, the, of the, all this stuff from uh, from classical times, which has been, you know, had been disrupted, and, you know. Um, so when it finally starts to get into circulation, and especially when you have certain people, uh, and, and again, this was in the, the, the uh, this was in the 17th century, you had, you um, uh, Leibniz, and you had, um, oh man, I'm going to, I'm just, there's no excuse for this. Uh, <laughs> um, in any case, the idea was, is that we began to think of, of these pronouncements as being made by people who knew that perfect meant absolutely without flaw. Well, they didn't. I mean, these are the people who used metaphor and simile and all of those things very, very creatively. And so they weren't thinking in that term of perfection. What they were thinking is, is it true? Is it complete? Not is it, not, not is it irrefutable. I mean, it's just, is it true? So, in that case, um, we have... If we think about the people in, who wrote the Bible more as poets than scientists, we'll be a lot closer to the truth. And 
Uh, I mean, there weren't that many scientists in the world back then, and there were some, but, but there were plenty of poets, and especially when we talk about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were plenty of poets. So, um, okay, let's see, where was I? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Right, that's where we got to. Um, so, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his Spirit. Now that's where we get the way, the means of acquiring this sort of grace, because that's what agape means. And it, you know, again, we're not perfect when we use agape, but we are acquiring this from God. Okay, let's skip down to 16. And, and so we know and rely on the God, uh, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And we're not, we, you know, we're not talking about romance or feeling. And I, I think those things are great, but that's not what we're talking about. In this way, love is made complete among us. Y'all, excuse me. I'm... I don't know why my eyes water up. But anyway, um, in this way, we're made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment because. In the world, we are like him. So we are partakers of his love and his nature. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. He's the source. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given up, and he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I mean, it's easy to say we love God. And believe it. Whether it's true or not. To believe this about humans is harder, but the idea uh, 
we have a standard. And that standard is this agape love. And we don't always meet that standard. But that standard is far superior to any other kind of love we might have. So, in order to test this love, we'll go to 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, if we look at that, and we look at 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to go, that's impossible. I mean, we can't do that. And if it means, I'm going to say usually we can't, not, not at that moment, but over time, we can. We can find ourselves believing that. I, I remember years ago in my Bible class at school, and I was uh, teaching about, um, about Paul, and... Uh, See, I think that was from the fifth chapter of Romans or something. I don't know. And he was saying, now I'm going to forget that. Oh, well, he was saying, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And he was saying to be patient. Because, um, because he knows how these things work. And he's talking about the process of, of God taking us to a new place. And this is in this lifetime. This is not in the hereafter. He's saying that we'll have to um, persevere, Right? And we'll have to, let's see, anyway, persevere, anyway. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know the scripture I'm talking about? Um, well... Yes. Why won't Mr. I won't. I don't know what it is about 
electronic devices, but they won't come up when I need them to. There we go. All right, let me go. Uh, wow. Okay. Here we go. Romans 5 and, uh, okay. Well, I'm just going to start at the beginning of that. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, He's just said, um, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is going to happen. This is how we undergo change. We don't undergo change, typically, um, by just... We know there's something we should do, and that's what we're going to do, and we set out to do it. You know, some people are better at that than others, but most of us have to go through this. Now, I'm going to say all of us. So, how do we do that? Well, we walk with God. And as we walk with God, He does it. He but we glory in our sufferings. Now we don't normally think of glorying in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. Now, over time, this is going to occur unless, well, I don't want to get into theology. But, how do we get this? Well, this isn't about how well we love him. We sang songs about loving him, and that's true. That is a part of what we do. But we don't start that way. We start by going to him. We get to know the source. We know him. 
and we need to allow ourselves to be loved by him. So, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So in the long run, He's been conforming, he is conforming us to the image of his son. He is making, giving us a family resemblance. Pascal, Blaise Pascal, you know, if you hadn't heard of him, he's a was a mathematician and um, philosopher. And he became a very, very ardent Christian. Is quoted with saying, there is a God-shaped heart, a God-shaped hole in man's heart. So, the first thing we got to do is let him fill that hole. And fill it with his love by means of his spirit. Then we must seek to love him with all our being. Then we'll have something to love him with and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And begin to taste the rich depths of his love. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know the state of everybody in this room, and I know that most of us are pretty, have been with you a pretty good while. But I also know that's not, that we're not done yet. So, I ask you to speak to each of us to pull any of us, forward or just put this in the recesses of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, that's, that's all I got. <laughs>